NBA Strayer. Hey, Gun, that's right, it's NBA Strayer, it's Friday. TGIF, am I right? November 12th. And I'm your host, James Clements. I'm a writer sometimes, Rolling Stone, Triple J, whoever else wants to pay me that sweet, sweet folding stuff. Here in Larry Armour Studios, hanging out, giving you the lowdown, all the ins and outs of a pretty weird, wacky and wild NBA season, I'll tell you that much. Got another punch on today. <laughs> I wonder if Miles Turner and Rudy Gobert have got brothers, what do you think? Either way, we're here hanging out, repping Australia a bit, that's what we do, we don't take things too seriously, either do we? Leave that for the nerds, God, they love serious stuff. What is the differential? Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, we're here to make NBA even more fun, because it's great fun, remember that. So... Today's show, quick one today. As predicted, the latest Ben Simmons leak slash exclusive. <laughs> Gee, that was a pretty big leak, bro. Uh, this time about how the Sixers are trying to help Ben Simmons uh, by hurting Ben Simmons, apparently. Fucking spare me. Uh, we've got the top five standing surprises so far. Just, you know, casting our eyes over the standings. Uh, three games to wrap up in the NBA Australia game wraps with the old That's Not a Knife, Old Mate, No Mate, Spot of the Night, Better Than Lonzo Ball. We've got Dickhead of the Week, of course. It is Friday, that's what we do. Uh, we've got Yeah Nas, we've got the Unpopular Opinion of the Day, we've got our back takeouts with a flame-grilled take. Uh, we've got the Luke Longley Memorial Bloke who just does their bloody job, and the Australian Player Watch, uh, where we're going to kind of take a fang round at all the Aussies and see how they're doing. Uh, and the previews for every single game on the weekend. Every single one. Every single bloody one. It's going to be fun, isn't it? All right, let's get to it then. Episode... Oh, we'll finish up with the cooking with Bainsy. Just a classic. Send you into the weekend the right way. All right, episode 697 of NBA Australia. Let's go. All right, NBA Australia is brought to you by Manscaped, the men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. They offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped just launched their fourth-gen trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. 4.0, oh my God, this is a good trimmer. All across Australia and New Zealand. Uh, you heard that right, the 4.0, it's awesome. So join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code STRAYER at manscaped.com. Seriously, I was one of the first folks to try out the new 4.0. I was blown away by it. Right off the bat, I was like, this is sick. God, this makes things easy. <laughs> I'll tell you what, no more nicks, no hassles. It's waterproof, just sorted out. The best parts are the ceramic blade with the advanced skin-safe technology. It's just like, you know, me hanging out in the uh, house in New York. No more nicks. Just, we had no nicks in that house. It was all nets. Uh, either way, you've got the uh, trim guards. You've got wireless shaving. Uh, wireless charging, rather. Obviously, wireless shaving. It'd be a bit weird if you're there with a <laughs> bloody big long wire in the shower. But there's also a light. I love the light. That's awesome. And you've got trim guards. You've got everything. Basically, it all breaks down to the simple fact. If you're using the same face trimmer on your nuts and then vice versa, that's gross. What are you doing? Come on, you've been doing it wrong. Grow up. Don't get pubes in your mouth. Get your own ball hair and body hair trimmer with Manscaped to make me time the best time. And enhance your confidence with some nice, smooth boyage. Tell you what, it's great. Uh, 20% off for free shipping with the code STRAYA. Your balls will thank you, and so will anybody else who gets near or around them. Uh, and so you get 20% off free shipping with the code STRAYA at manscaped.com. There's 20% off from free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code STRAYA. 
I actually did this as a present for uh, a buddy. It's pretty good. And then you're like, that is a lot of money I just saved. It's pretty gnarly. So unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. This is Matthew Delvedover, and you're listening to NBA Australia. Watch out for the shark attack! Ah, uh, you better. Or oh, you better watch out for the, uh... <laughs> what is it, the 7pm, 7.30pm Shams piece about the Sixers and the, uh, and the old Ben Simmons. Jeez, that came out of, uh... Absolutely nowhere. Oh, gee, did you predict that like two days ago, Jimmy? Yes, I did. It's all fucking he said, they said, he said bullshit. Uh, <laughs> a bit of Limp Biscuit for you. Uh, let's start today's show the way we start every show here at NBA Australia with the Daily. Whip around, there you go. Vooch! Nikola Vucevic. The big centre for... What is he, Montenegrin? Uh... For the Chicago Bulls is now in the COVID protocols as well, which sucks. Uh, joining old our mate Rock'em Sock'em Jock'em Landau, big teenage mutant Jakob Pertle, Joel Embiid, Kevin Love, Larry, that's a girl's name, Markinen, our buddy Aussie Matty T. At least Tobias Harris came back today, which is nice. But geez, uh, we talked about the COVID protocols yesterday and about how the pro basketball lifestyle doesn't exactly lend itself to avoiding COVID. You know, even if you are vaccinated, you're spending a lot of time indoors. Especially during this season, so not a giant surprise that uh, there's a couple of cases still floating around. But it sucks. And I do wonder what it's going to take for the NBA to, uh, you know, how many players are we going to go see down, go down with this? I don't know. But it's fascinating to sort of see happen. Hopefully everybody stays healthy and looks after themselves. Uh, maybe they'll just have to reinstigate some more sort of stringent stringent protocols just in general and see how it works out. But either way, it's just sort of another day. It's another person, isn't it? Brutal. Miami, Jimmy Butler was out today for the Miami Hooters up against the Los Angeles Clippers of Los Angeles, California. Uh, That's because of his ankle that he sprained yesterday. Looks like, you know, it hopefully won't be too long for Jimmy Butts, but that sucked. Uh, Speaking of injuries, the Lakers also copped their own injury from yesterday. Austin Reeves. Oh, no, Jimmy, not Austin Reeves. He's out for two weeks with a sore left hammy. Uh, I mentioned Tobias Harris. He came back today, which is kind of cool, and uh, looked like he had a missed a beat. So that was kind of one of those nice uh, moments where you're like, well, that's pretty good. Happy days. Tobias Harris is feeling good, feeling healthy, looking good. Went out there and crushed it and um, had a pretty good comeback game. So we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, and Kelly Olynyk, the Pistons say he has a grade 2 MCL sprain in his left knee, so he'll be out at least six weeks. Jeez. Imagine if you're the Pistons. All 18 of their fans are going to be shattered by that news. But anyway, it's a tough one for Kelly. Oh, but, you know, he'll be okay. Canter, Enos, Canter, Enos the penis, Canter. Pretty interesting uh, stance of late with their old Enos. Just going completely rogue on the NBA and calling them out for their uh, treatment of China because of the almighty Ola, the almighty Ola. And uh, basically talking about how uh, despite... NBA players and the league itself speaking out on issues and social issues like Black Lives Matter, etc. The NBA has been completely mum on China. <laughs> and uh, basically, as he said, trying to like balance the struggle in uh, player activism and the lucrative 
Chinese market. NBA made me do this, he said in the uh, CNN interview, basically talking about how it's uh, not a great setup for the NBA to be taking all that uh, nice, nice Chinese money and meanwhile being like, no, 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 we're good about social justice, uh, just not in China, bro. <laughs> Jeez. Good on you, Enos. Someone's going to say this. Tibbs! Ah, Tibbs. Tom Thibodeau, the New York City Knickerbockers of New York City, is their coach. And he reckons they've got to figure it out. And if anybody's watched the Knicks this year, he'd be like, you know what? Spot the lie. They do need to figure it out. Because they look pretty good sometimes, and other times they look fucking horrible. And it seems like every second game at MSG, an opponent is putting up like a new career high in something. <laughs> it might be three-pointers made. It might be, like you saw, uh, what was it, Patty Connaughton the other day? Uh, putting up career high in points. It's crazy. Uh, the starters, it tells you uh, tells you something pretty uh, stark is going on there in New York. They've, I believe the five-man unit of their starting five uh, is putting up basically the most used numbers. Essentially, the most used lineup going in the as a five-man unit in the NBA so far. And also giving up the most points of any five-man unit in the NBA. They've been outscored by 14.4 points per 100 possessions. And they have a defensive rating of 119.3, which is seven points worse than the worst team defense in the NBA. So I don't know, man. Maybe having Kemba Walker without any knees, Evan, don't Google me, Fournier, RJ Watt, am I out on the court? Barrett, Julius, uh, old tiny T-Rex arms, and Mitch, the other Mitch Robinson out there. Not a defensive juggernaut, even with Tibbs. It is weird, right? So no Alfred Payton, no Frankie Smokes, no Reggie Bullock for the Knicks, and... They've gone with Fournier, they've gone with Kemba, and the defense has just fallen off the fucking deep end. So let's see if Tibbs can figure it out. But I do love Tibbs' approach. He's like, look, you can go 10 games, you can go 20 games. It's like, oh, well, maybe we need to see 30 games. Maybe we need to see 40 games. And then your season's basically done. We need to fix this shit now. I'm like, fuck, man. I'd run through a wall for Tibbs. This is awesome. Righto. Uh, so is that about it? Is that all the news? I think it is. Let's do the Ben Simmons piece. Ah, strap in. So... We're all sitting there, innocently, chilling out, hanging, just being cool. And then Shams is like, uh, yeah, I truly believe the fines, the targeting, the negative publicity shined on the issue. That's very unnecessary and has furthered the mental health issues for Ben. Either you help Ben or come out and say he's lying. Which one is it? That's right, Rich Paul, the agent of Ben Simmons, saying that the Sixers, in trying to handle this mental health issue with Ben Simmons, are actually furthering the damage done to Ben Simmons' mental health. So, Rich Paul would go on to say, in this case, we have to get Ben help and not put finances above mental health. Please don't fine us. It costs us a lot of money every time you do. Um, essentially, as an agent, I understand contractual obligations. Do you? Do you really? Because it sounds like your player requested a trade um, and hasn't sh- didn't show up you know, on time for uh, training camp. Oh, and is not wanting to play for his team. So, contractual obligations, huh? Good on you. And I hold myself accountable in this business. Do you, Rich? Ask Nolan's Noel. Uh, but if someone is telling you something, we can no longer turn a blind eye in today's world. This is no longer about a trade. This is about finding a place where we can help Ben get back to his mental strength and get back on the floor. That sounds good, doesn't it? I want him on the floor playing the game that he loves. Does he? Uh, I want Ben on the floor, whether that's in a 76ers uniform or any other uniform. That's not up to me, but I want him in a state where he can resume play. We want to cooperate and want to work him back on the floor. 
Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's very much shown by all of Ben Simmons' actions, doesn't it? Uh, he's not there yet, Rich Paul went on to say. How can a doctor who's only met Ben once say Ben is mentally ready to play? So do we keep digging on him or help him? Well, we don't know the findings of that doctor. Uh, we haven't heard anything from that doctor. The Sixers didn't say anything about this. So this seems like Rich Paul basically going, oh, I think the doctor that the Sixers uh, basically asked Ben to speak to is going to come out and say that he's pretty good to go. <laughs> We're trying to get out ahead of it so we don't get fined anymore for faking. Oh, no. Now that we understand that reluctance from Ben, it all makes sense. There was a shying away from it. If Ben has repeatedly showed behavior that entails he isn't mentally ready to play, embrace him, support him. We have to remove our ego from it. We all have to take responsibility. Really, Rich, because it seems like you've abdicated a lot of responsibility here and a whole bunch of fucking finger pointing uh, without actually really doing much and kind of hiding behind the facade of, oh, no, we've got the Players Association doctors. Oh, the Sixers doctor, he doesn't know what he's talking about, man. And that's what you're doing right now. Uh, ben has a mental issue. Let's support him. I'm happy he got to a place where he realized and accepted help. I understand it's a business, but even in business, you need humanity. No shit. And my read on all of this is, wow, does journalism fucking suck at the moment, doesn't it? This is just Shams. I do like that Shams basically tried to uh, get the 76ers side of the story as well a little bit. And he's like, the Sixers are like, look, this is fine, and if Ben wants to play for us, that's fucking cool. Like, we haven't done or said anything, basically, about it. We haven't fined him because of his mental health. We're fine, we're fine him because he rocked up late to training camp. He's been acting like a fucking giant dickhead every time he has been here, and uh, he didn't want to tell us, like, what the fuck he was doing about the ailment that he's dealing with. So here we are. My read on this is that this is about one of the last plays that Clutch have, right? So Clutch is the agency for Ben Simmons, obviously. The Sixers have, no matter what their uh, motivations might have been, have done everything by the book, essentially via the CBA. And they've asked, uh, essentially, a player with an ailment, a medical impalement, uh, ailment, ailment, there you go, essentially... Mental health is health. We all understand that. And they're like, all right, cool. Can we get a read on what's happening? We don't need to know details. What treatment programs are you going through? And there's just like fucking silence from the uh, Simmons camp. They're like, fuck. All right, well, I guess we sort of better uh, tell everybody what's going on. Off they go. And Clutch are now using their mouthpiece, a.k.a. the Athletic and Shams, uh, to say the Sixers are doing Ben dirty. And literally... Everybody who's followed along with this has got to basically sit back and go, what? Are you guys fucking high? <laughs> like Ben Simmons is very clearly the one who like rocked up late, asked out of practice, cracked the sads, uh, did one of the more irresponsible and shitty things you can do as part of a team where if your coach in practice is asking you to join in, you go, no. Like, that's just fucking spoiled brat kind of territory, right? And it's like, if you want to be a part of it, you be a part of it. If you don't, then stop half-assing it, right? And I feel like everybody's sort of watching this happen and going, look, the Sixers are kind of just doing this thing where they're like, look, Ben, if we can help you, talk to our doctor for a bit just so we know what uh, treatment plans you may or may not have. Um, you can continue working with your doctors, whatever. We just want to get a read on the situation. 
that's fine. We just want to see. And they're like basically trying to explain the Sixers are trying to push him to play. That's not nice. It's like, okay, well, they're just trying to basically figure out the $33 million they're paying you. Like, what is going on with that? <laughs> you know? So, it doesn't seem like they have too many plays left beyond this, right? Where they go, the Sixers are trying to make him play, and that's only going to make it worse. And everybody else is sort of sitting there going, just get your treatment, Ben. That's fine. And the Sixers also sort of seem to be like, look, if you're taking actual steps to get mentally ready to play again, then we're good. And that's fine. And Rich Paul, I feel like Rich Paul has just fucked this from the get-go, right? So I think I had this in the, uh, what I tweeted out on Facey, whatever. From the get-go, they should have had Ben in the Boomer squad, go to the Olympics, play in a nice, conducive, fun environment with our teammates who already love him, uh, would have given him, a, you know, a bit of a crack. Who cares? Like, and he could have shot. Who cares if he shoots fucking threes or not? Either way, it gives you a proof of concept that he's still good to go. He can still play. And then you just come back very quietly, request a trade, canvas the league, move him before training camp, before this becomes a big fuck-up. Instead, it's become a giant fuck-up. And Rich Paul's like, I've got all the cards. Two months later, he's standing there with one card that has a handwritten, oh, fucked it, on it. Seriously, it's beyond the pale at this point, isn't it? Like, the Sixers aren't out here finding Ben for mental health issues. They're finding because he didn't show up to work. They find him because he was a fuckhead when he did rock up. No, I'm going to practice, but with my phone in my pocket. And I'm not going to do this defensive drill. Fuck you, Doc. Well, off on your bike. He's like, well, okay then. And, of course, they were finding him because they're like, look, you're not telling us what you're doing in terms of management, in, ten- in terms of program, uh, for what you're doing for to basically try to get mentally ready to play a game to at least try to address this problem that you're dealing with. We just want to be there, it seems like. And look, I don't give a fuck about the Sixers. I'm not a Sixers fan. I'm not carrying water for Moray or anybody. It just feels like this... I think what shits me the most is the very obvious strategic leaking bullshit where it's like the Sixers going through Woj, Clutch going through Shams, and it's just like the dumb fuckery back and forth just kills me. Look, and I think it can really sort of come down to this simple idea, right? If mental health is actually the main goal here, then Rich Paul and Ben Simmons shouldn't care about the fines. They should be about getting right and sort of going, right, how do we work with the Sixers to just get them off our case so Ben can get right? But for everything, they're just like, well, we're going to protect our fucking dollars every time. It's like no matter how they want to spin it, it's about Simo not getting fined and like not having to pay fines and shit. It's just fucking crazy. And me, I'm fast. I don't know about you, but I'm fascinated like how it's going to look and what happens if Ben does get traded and plays like four days after getting traded or something. Is his mental health going to clear up that quickly? Is he going to work with a new team? Like, what happens? And what sort of situation does this put the NBA in at that point, you know? Just saying. Either way, it's a circus of dumb fuckery. And as I said, I think on Wednesday's show, I fucking hate it. And I just want it done. And it shits me to tears. Just like the tenant song. Right, let's do some game raps. Game raps, 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 game raps. Oh yeah, three games today. Toronto went into Philly. Tobias Harris came back. The Raptors still beat him. 115-109. Seth Curry also came back for the Sixers. But this was the Maxi show, the Tyrese Maxi show. How good was that? 
Philly fought and fought and fought. They led this at the half by five. And, like, I think this version of the Sixers team with Embiid and Tobias Harris back and stuff is just going to completely endear itself to Sixers fans because they fucking fight hard. Like, they're undermanned. They don't have Simo. They don't have Embiid. They're two superstar all-stars, apparently. And Maxie's out there just crushing it. 10 for Harris in the first half. Corkmaz hit three threes. Danny, not the boxer, Green had a couple. The Raps were missing everything. Precious was 0-3. Boucher, she they all struggled. But then a 13-2 run in the third, the Raptors took control and sort of cruised into the fourth. Basically kind of matching uh, the Sixers bucket for bucket and stayed up eight. Four and a half minutes left, though. The inevitable run came. The Sixers got a few stops, got hype. Maxi gets an and one. It's a 10-2 run for the Sixers. And suddenly they're up. And it felt like the Raptors may have just sort of like blown their gaskets like, oh, shit, we've peaked too early, bro. Like Tobias and Tyrese were doing absolutely everything. Like Maxi was crushing it. Tobias Harris's three that he hit to sort of get them back within five. I think it was like 105-97. So they're down eight. He nails a three from the very top straight on. It was beautiful. And it's like, holy shit, Tobias Harris comes back from COVID. The clutch gene. Maybe it was in the vaccine for him. I love it. Uh, They go up two. To the Sixers off an Andre Drummond putback. Uh, but what do we say here all the fucking time on NBA Australia? The energy that you expand to uh, expand rather to come back in a game makes it just fucking harder in hell to get a lead, let alone keep a lead after you come back from a big deficit and you saw it right in the end. Because there is a moment where Andre Drummond blocks the absolute bejesus out of Preston Sachua. They call a foul, but it's overturned on review. The Raps get the possession back and Gary Terrence Trent Darby Jr. hits a three. Then Drummond misses. OG drives, finds Fred Van Vliet. Bang! Another three. 24 seconds left. Ah, suddenly it's a four-point game. Sixes are down. Tobias gets blocked by Scotty Barnes. Tobias has to foul. The OG Ananobi makes both. Maxi misses the shot, and the game's over. It was essentially an eight-zip run by the Raptors to finish it all off and win, and that's just, you know... When you have a team like Philly without their top-end talent, you're like, oh, this is brutal. And sometimes that class will get you. And when you don't quite have it at the end, like you don't have Tobias playing off of Embiid, etc. Yeah, you can give up an eight-zip run right at the end of a game to lose it pretty easily. So look, but this was a really, really fun game. And I'll tell you what, I love the fight in both these teams. Toronto are awesome. Philly are great. Max is incredible. 33-5 and five for him. He's going to pop up again later. He shot 12 and 19. Uh, Tobias barely missed a beat. 19, 7 and 7 for him. Shot 7 of 18, but come on, man. Comeback game from COVID. Seth the shit one. Curry, 15 points and 4 of 12 shooting. Not ideal there. Andre Drummond. The classic Andre Drummond line. 4 points, 12 rebounds, 3 assists, 4 blocks, and a loss. And Shake Milton, 12 points. Cork Maz, he missed everything. I'm going to talk about him later in a second as well. The Raps, they went 14 and 33 from downtown. That's 42% for those playing along at home. Fred Van Vliet, the fight in Van Vliet's. Unbelievable. 32-7. and seven. He was great. 6 of 11 from downtown for Fred. Did he just have another kid? Can we check that? 24-4 and four for the OG and Anobi. Gary Terrence Trent Darby Jr., 20 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. He went 4-9 and nine from downtown. But how good is Scotty Barnes? Scotty Barnes. He is awesome. 13-9-4 and four with a couple of blocks. The defense that he plays... It's like he's, what, 10th game? 13th game. There you go. No, but he's missed a couple, so it's about his 11th game. And he's absolutely out there crushing it on D. I love him. 
Uh, Precious, he had four points, nine rebounds, two assists, two steals, and three blocks. He just does a little bit of everything. Chris Bobby Boucher had 17 off the bench as well. Uh, Philly dropped to eight and five now, sort of just treading water as they kind of wait for Embiid to hopefully come back from COVID and uh, get back to full strength. Toronto, seven and six. Feeling good about themselves now too. Indy went into Utah at a back-to-back and beat the Yaz. 111-100. This was uh, wild and a really fun game. We got a punch on at the end, as mentioned. But this was 40-38 to Utah in the third quarter. Uh, in the second quarter, rather, sorry. And uh, the Pacers finished off the half on a 22-11 run. Go up 60-51. to And you're like, holy shit, the Yaz. The Jazz were just playing like shit, though. They couldn't hit shots. They weren't playing very good D. I mean, Clarkson can't make anything at the moment. Bog- Boyan just can't hit a fucking shot either. Conley was getting beat back door. Mitchell was good, but it was like the only lone bright spot it fell over the Yaz for most of that game. And uh, the Pacers were just on a different level. Like they were kind of doing a little bit of everything, playing like a really good team. There you go. And they were beating the Yaz in just pretty much every part of the game. Like El Prez, TJ, Miles. TJ McConnell was crushing it. Miles Turner was doing everything. Suva was, uh, look, Suva couldn't hit a shot, but love his playmaking. Uh, the third quarter, the Pacers pressed him. The Jazz couldn't solve him in the fourth. Sloppy effort on both ends. The crowd gets into it. The Jazz fight back. Eric Pascal just out there working his ass off. And Keelan Martin's hitting shots. Uh, look, look, TJ McConnell, though, he was out there toweling Mike Conley time and time again. Then we finally get the cuddle fight. That's right, the cuddle fight. Miles Turner, Rudy Gobert, bit of push and shove. Gobert grabs him, tries to drag him down. Turner gets up, gives him a little shove. So like, what are you doing, dickhead? And uh, then Gobert just wraps him up in a big old cuddle. <laughs> it's a lot of arms. And I don't know how to go boxing-wise between Turner and uh, Gobert because they're both massive. They're really lanky. Jingles comes in out of nowhere, helps Ed Malloy, moves him out of the way nicely. We're just like a bit of a uh, bit of a uh, heads up. Ed, better get out of the road. You might get hurt, mate. So Jingles gets him out of the road. Might get suspended for it. But he gets tossed. Mitchell gets tossed as well because he's going fucking hardcore. So did Turner and Gobert, obviously. But the game was done at that point anyway. Uh, the Jazz just could never seem to get back into it despite kind of only just being down like the eight... 12 points kind of vibe, and they just never could do it. And, like, that's where you're kind of like, this is the Donnie Mitchell that we've seen in the playoffs where he can just go ham, and it just hasn't happened so far this season. Look, he had 26-4. He was the only good Yaz man. Rudy Gobert, this stuff at that word, 19-11. Pascal had 9 on 4-14, of 4-4 uh, four four shooting. No one else could do anything, though. Clarkson goes 3-14. of 14. Gross for his 11 points. Jordan Jeremy Clarkson. Royce O'Neal goes 1-6. of six. Conley goes 2-6. of six. He had 8 assists, but jeez. He's getting toasted by TJ McConnell. Mike Conley. Jingles, look, 7-4-4 four, four for him as well, but just not quite enough. Not quite enough of the ball. Utah now dropped to 8-4. and four. And India now 5-8. and eight. They really needed that one, I'll tell you that much. And then the last game of today. Spoiler alert, it's actually happening right now. So I've got 3.9 seconds left in this Clippers Miami game. I'm recording as it's going on, peeking over the top of the, uh, the phone backing I've got around the... Uh, Oh, microphone. But either way, look, the heat on a back-to-back without Jimmy Butler, of course they came out and dropped 40 in the first quarter. 40 to 25. They're up as many as 17 were the heaters. Uh, the Clippers fought all the way back in the second, though. Suddenly it's only four points. Miami are like four of 19 from downtown at that point. They kept shooting, though. Good on you, Miami. PJ, PG MVP, MVPG, there you go. He just 
kept going at them. Suddenly, bad shots from Miami. Got a bit sloppy. It was a tie game out of absolutely nowhere. They were down 17, and then Clippers had pulled it all the way back in the second quarter. Uh, Zoobs was playing his ass off. Miami just launching shitty threes, bad-looking shots. It's weird because they've got Lowry. They should be a little bit more disciplined, even without butts. But, look, they still are up two at the half. But then Reggie Jackson goes absolutely ham in the third, uh, and the Heat couldn't hit anything. They look pretty gassed as well. Clippers smoked him into the third, going up eight, and here we are. We are at the point where it's a three-point game Clippers, 112-109, and we're about to watch what's happening. So they're coming out of a uh, timeout. Basically, at this point, the Heat just still can't hit a three. They're 9-41. They've got the ball. They're down three. Reggie Jackson has just hit the free throw to put them up that. Uh, meanwhile, the Clippers, they've gone 11 of 37 from downtown. Not ideal either. But Reggie Jackson, Bledsoe has woken up in the second half. Uh, Paul George has been pretty good. And the Duckman, Luke Kennard, has just given a little bit of a boost too. Uh, but here comes the inbounds from PJ Tucker. Throws it in. And there you go. Batum just taps it along. Game over. Terrence Mann. Oh, he's missed the dunk. Oh, well. <laughs> They're going to call a foul. Don't call a foul. What are y'all doing? I think they've pulled it off. I think it's over. 112-109. Yep, they're all hugging. Uh, so PJ Tucker ends up with the six points. Bam had himself a game. He was playing his ass off. He had 30 points, 11 rebounds, 12 and 18. Big Buddha Gar Larry, 25 points, five assists. Look, there's a couple of moments where you're like, PJ, uh, PJ Tucker, Bam, Kyle, Tyler here on Dunkey Robinson, who still can't hit a fucking shot, meanwhile. Giving the Clippers all they can handle on the second night of a back-to-back in LA is crazy. But this is going to be the Clippers' season, I swear to God. Uh, what else? 23 for Hero, but it came on 23 shots. He went 0 of 6 from downtown. And, of course, Dunkey Robinson. I don't think anyone wants to get a beer with Duncan because he might be shit-faced in the moment. 2 of 13. He ends up with 6 points. 2 of 11 from downtown. And the big problem with uh, the Heat, look, you lose Jimmy Butler in this game and suddenly you've just got no bench either. Like, do and dead man. Gabe Vincent, Struess, they went 2 of 12 from downtown between the two of them. Gabe Vincent and Struess, like, just brutal. Caleb Martin, 7 points as well, but the Heat just don't have the uh, firepower if uh, Hero's in there is instead of Butts. And here we go, the Clips, 22 for Reggie Jackson, 21 for Bledsoe, 27 for Paul George, 12 for Kennard. Isaiah Hartenstein was pretty good as well, 6 and 7 for him. And Frenchie Batum, 6, 6 and 3 with 3 blocks, just does a little bit of everything. He's stolen all that money from Charlotte. Uh, but either way, the Heat, look, they dropped two. I believe that'll make them 7-5. and five, And the Clippers are now 7-4. and four. And with all that in mind, let's do an NBA Australia approved performance of the night. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife. Oh, so close giving this to Tyrese Maxey, but how's Fred Van Vliet? Gave him the big balls dance after he hit that big, huge three... Late, late, late in that game. It was absolutely beautiful because Sam Cassell is on the Sixers' staff. So Fred Van Vliet's doing the big balls dance to Sam Cassell, having Sam Cassell'd Sam Cassell's team. Fred Van Vliet, the fighting Van Vliet, you absolute legend. That was awesome. Uh, But he also gets it because he just went absolutely ham and kicked ass. 32 points, 6 of 11 from downtown, 6 rebounds, 7 assists, only 1 turnover, a plus 14 in a game they won by six. Fred Van Vliet, that was awesome. How good was that? Spot of the night. 
I mentioned uh, Jordan, Jeremy Clarkson going 3 of 14. 2 of 10 from downtown for his 11 points. Royce O'Neill with his 1 of 6. How was fucking Furk at Cork, Maz, though? What did he do? Yeah, that's right. He went 3 of 11. 311, you little ripper! Cork Maz didn't hit a shot in the second half. <laughs> but it has to go to, we just mentioned him. I'd like to have a beer with Duncan Robinson because he can't shoot straight. Uh, six points, two of 13 shooting Duncan. Mate, two of 11 from three. You've got one job and you keep fucking it up. You're killing me, Dunkey. You're killing me. Uh, who was Old Mate No Mates? Old mate, no mates. 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 Who's got no mates today? Uh, this is just a bit more fallout from the Wiggins cat dunking on yesterday, which was amazing. So Steph actually came on board and yelled about this as well after the game. Anytime you catch a body like that and their history, I'm going to need that on my wall. I'll tell you that much. I'm going to text Wiggs a picture of him dunking on cat every game right before the game. See if that helps. He got 72 text messages from me coming his way. <laughs> wow, does Wigo hate Cat? I love it. But there was also another story. Uh, basically, essentially going how pissy Wiggins is at Minnesota. Because they spent all this time talking about how it's like family, family, family. We're a family team. And Gerson uh, Rosas took everybody on like a trip to the Bahamas and a whole bunch of other stuff, and, like, you know, cradling Andrew Wiggins' daughter. He's building a relationship with just not Wiggins the play, but Wiggins the person, and then cradling him. Uh, <laughs> Wiggins is like, ah, it's what you get. But also, fuck them and fuck that guy. <laughs> That's so good. Of course, Rose is no longer with the team, but here we go. Still hates that team. Good on you, Andrew Wiggins. The entire franchise of the Minnesota Timberwolves are old mate no mates when it comes to Andrew Wiggins. A Canadian, Maple Jordan, who doesn't hate or, like, like anything... Just fucking hates that team. I love it. Pantsing of the night. Fatty, fatty, fat, fat. Seth Curry got the OG, OG Ananobi. He got him going. Love this one. Made him, uh, gave him the old Lance Lance, make him dance. Left off a screen, got left behind. Uh, OG recovers, jumps past him. Seth is like, what are you doing, dickhead? He jumps past him again, and Seth's like, I still haven't gone. <laughs> and then passes it off. OG turns his head for a split second. Seth goes right behind him. Just completely cooks him, gets the pass back, layup. It was absolutely amazing. Like, OG didn't really do anything wrong. Seth just kind of, like, fucked him up. It was great. Uh, Precious got absolutely smoked by Andre Drummond as well, like it was Cliff Robinson with a big old fatty. Um, in that one, we're talking about where it got overturned. Like, Precious was going up. Andre Drummond absolutely fucking caned it. And it was pretty, pretty cool. So, pretty happy with that. And finally, better than Lonzo. Oh, not finally, because we've got a dickhead of the week. Better than Lonzo Ball, though. Lonzo was the best player in high school. He was the best player in college. You think you're going to get to the pros and be like, I made it to the pros. Now, I can be average. We're coming for everybody. Coming for everybody. Tyrese Maxey. I keep saying it. Build around Tyrese Maxey. You won't go wrong. 33 points, 5 assists today. Goes 12 and 19 from the floor. Got to the rim. 
led his team, just fired everybody up. How can you not love the guy? He's incredible. I love him. I love, 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 love me some Tyrese Maxey. And today he was better than Alonzo Ball. Dickhead of the week. Dickhead of the week. Ah, it's Friday. Uh, How about we give this to both Nikola Jokic and Markeith Morris. There's just something going on at the moment. I love that there's a bit more physicality. And uh, look, the Jokic hit was dirty. The Markeith shot was dirty as well. Like the Markeith one, it was just real fucking shit bloke territories as well. Whereas at least Jokic knew that he had done wrong. He's like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have hit him from behind. <laughs> when I you know, saw his head and neck snap back like that, it's like, fuck, yeah, that was bad. My bad, sorry. Whereas Markeith, like, the way he leans into him is just absolute the fucking worst bloke ever kind of vibes. Joker, you can see why he retaliated so hard and so quickly and why he didn't give it a second thought about being from behind. But either way, they both win dickhead of the week, don't they? Because <laughs> that was uh, pretty fucking scary and also just pretty shit. But at least it gave us something to talk about. Right, let's do some Yenars right after this. This is Cam Glidden. This is Anthony Drimmick. This is Mitch McCarran. This is Jason Kiddie. This is Daryl McDonald. Hey, guys, this is Hugh Greenwood. Yo, what's going on? This is Ellie. This is Mark Worthington, or commonly known as Wertho, and you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And 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 you're listening to NBA Australia. Let's do some Yanars. They're brought to you by thedailyliquor.com. Look, if you're in Melbourne, it's party time now. The weather might be shit this weekend, but otherwise, look, if you go anywhere without a slab on your shoulder, a couple of bottles of wine, maybe a couple of cocktails in your pockets, who knows what you're doing. If you don't do that, ship bloke territory. So go to the online bottle get a bunch of booze delivered to your door, Rona-free by thedailyliquor.com. Because all the beers, all the wines, all the cocktails, you can go check them out on the online bottle It is awesome. All their beers are incredible. I love the sample. You know that. The DOS XPA. Oh. Tell you what. Go, go a couple of DOS XPAs right now, but I've got to drive. Anyway, uh, they've got everything for everybody, so go check it out as long as you're over 18 and you're in the Melbourne metro area. You also get same-day delivery if you order before noon, so go get around the dailyliquor.com right now. Bang in that code, Strayer. Get a six on your moat, Jimmy. Thank me later when you're necking some tasty, tasty beers. Right, yeah, Nas, number one. So... After dismantling Dallas and outlasting the Cavs yesterday, can we go into the weekend with you, Jimmy, admitting that the Bulls are actually fucking good and that Washington will stick around? Yeah, nah. Yeah, to the Bulls. I'm still going to pump the brakes a little bit on the Wiz, so nah. Look, the Wiz have been crushing it on D, but their offense is like 17th at the moment. And I expect with Montrez Harrell and Kuz... And uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and co. That'll reverse at least a little bit. Um, but as I keep saying, like this is what we half expected going into this, right? Like they've been because they're now deep with quality actual NBA players. Like they're going to be good, but they're also not great. The thing is, they're four and two above team against teams above five hundred. They've won all three of their close games. The thing is, you know what's fucking weird about Washington, except for one home game against the Grizzlies. They've played only Eastern teams. That's right. Only teams from the Eastern Conference. They've barely traveled. The furthest they've gone is Toronto. That's insane. They've beaten the Rebel Celtics twice. 
and injury played Bucks. They split a pair with the Rabble Hawks, beat the Rabble Pacers. They beat that up and down Grizzlies team. They support like that surprising Cavs team. They took care of them at home, and they've proven that they're good, right? That's fine, but I'll keep my reservations until they play someone besides the rest of the creamy, creamy Middle East. You know, because that's what it is, right? The Middle East is like pretty much everybody in the Eastern Conference now that isn't like Detroit. <laughs> and because everybody can seemingly almost just about beat everybody else at the moment in that Eastern Conference, right? Like once they start going up against the Nets, maybe the Sixers, the cream of the crop, the Bulls, you know, that sort of stuff. Then we can talk, but they've played one West team. That's incredible. Uh, the Bulls, meanwhile, though, look, I'm happy to admit that one. Look, I talked about their offseason being floor-raising, and that's exactly what's happened, right? But the thing is, it, it has risen pretty bloody high. <laughs> so sixth offensive and defensive rating, that's awesome, and that's legit. They've beaten the Jazz and the Mavs. They whooped the Celtics and the Nets. So in terms of actual quality wins, like they've got some. Like They dropped those two games against Philly, but that you get that on the big job sometimes. Um, and B just sees the Bulls and goes, fuck them. Uh, Sure, they also beat the Pistons and the Pelicans, but I mentioned this, I think, maybe last week or maybe weekend winners or losers last week. Other iterations of this Bulls team 100% would have blown one of those Pistons or Pelicans games, right? So I think they are legit for that simple fact that they're not losing those shit ones. Like The problem is they lose Patch Williams. Now they don't have Vooch. And I'll tell you why that's a problem because, look, that's going to be massive. They're legit but it comes at such a fucking brutal time for the Bulls because they're about to go on a West Road trip. In the next week, without Vooch probably for all of it, they're going to play Golden State tomorrow, the Clippers, the Lakers, Portland, and Denver. Oh, that is brutal. And you'd assume, look, with the COVID stuff, probably won't be back within a week. So if you lose Vooch for all of that road trip, that is absolutely fucking powerfully brutal territories. Look, I think they're fucking good. I need to, like, set a calendar reminder, though, for, like, in next Friday, Jimmy, don't panic about the Bulls. Bulls fans, you all need to Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X, relax. Uh, Because you are good, you're fine. It's just going to be a tough one <laughs> this week. Jazz Oz, he had a good one that uh, reminded me that I forgot to talk about this yesterday. I had it in my notes and somehow I didn't even talk about it. Yeah, nah, the flagrant against Isaiah Stewart was a fucking disgrace. That was just a rebound back in the day. Yeah, nah, yes. So I don't know if you saw this yesterday, but uh, Beef Stew gets the rebound, comes down, elbow just sort of cops uh, Christian Wood as he's coming down. And it's like, yeah, he's just rebounding it. The ref's like, they stopped the play. There was no foul called on it. The refs go, oh, we're going to check that for a hostile act. It's like, what? He just got the rebound. He was in traffic. His arms came down. Christian, like, it's not his fault that, like, Christian Wood's head was there. Like, holy shit. There's no hostile. He's not like, oh, I'm going to get this and fucking whack that guy in the face. Like, there's no hostile like, in- intention. He's being hostile because he's trying to get the fucking live ball. And he's trying to get it. Like, what are you doing, refs? Blow it out your ass. That was a horrible call. I yelled about it on Twitter as well. So, anyway, uh, Jazz also tacks on. Also, I'm watching the Pistons Rockets and listening to Van Gundy flap his gums about college is the best path to the NBA. The best path to the NBA is the one that works for the player. If that's college for four years, one and done, G League, NBL, or whatever else, who gives a fuck? 
The world puts so much pressure on young people to map their future out before they even know what they want to do with life. People in positions such as Van Gundy should be vocal about encouraging young athletes to follow the path that works for them. Yeah, nah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, nah, yeah. Obviously, I 100% agree with that. I mean, it's fucking weird that Van Gundy even brought that up, right? So I'm glad uh, Jez noticed this one because that's really fucking dumb. Because Jez lays it out. Like, there are so many different avenues to make it to the NBA. For Van Gundy to, like, take one and go, this is the best one. It's like, based on fucking what evidence? I mean, holy shit. That, you look at across the NBA right now, that's not the case at all. Giannis, Jokic, Doncic, Gobert, Lamelo, Josh Giddy, fucking not to mention LeBron. Like, holy shit. Like, none of those dudes took the college path. And I think it's worked out okay for a couple of fucking MVPs and title winners and shit. Jesus. I think it might be like a good ideal path for some athletes who have grown up wanting to go to college, of course. But yeah, it is pretty fucking... uh, It's a bit irresponsible of Van Gundy to be saying that sort of shit. It's like, look, yeah, if you don't want to go to college, maybe you fucking... look. If you've grown up really, really poor and the G League is kind of like, hey, we'll pay you 500 grand or the NBL will be like, here's 150 grand to come live in Australia for a year and uh, be on the right path of the NBA. It's like, you'd be fucking dumb not to do that, you know? So it's fucking weird that Van Gundy would do that. All right, unpopular opinion of the day. Now look at me, please. Look at me. Look at me. Look All right, me. let's do the top five surprises in the standings. Jimmy, what a surprise in you. Well, the Clippers. Tell you what, they're a bit of a surprise. They're seven and four. They've won six on the trot. <laughs> it's incredible. So that's a bit of a surprise. So this is the number five. They've had all these huge turnaround wins. They're staying afloat without Kawhi. <laughs> Paul George is like MVPG areas, kind of. Um, I think that's a little bit overblown. People are like, oh, Paul George is fucking amazing. It's like, eh. He's doing enough. His efficiency has taken a fucking battering. Uh, but they are winning games, which is massive. And, like, to hold off the heat the way they did today after that fast start was pretty impressive, um, despite, you know, digging themselves that hole in the first place. But they are taking scalps. Like, the couple of back-to-back wins over the Wolves, sure. But they beat the Hornets, who are absolute, you know, flyers to start the season. They beat the Blazers. They beat the Heat today. They beat, they've absolutely got the Blazers... Uh, They've beaten them twice out of three times already this season. But still, look, to be 7-4 and four in a year where you don't have Kawhi, that's pretty massive, so it's a bit of a surprise. Number four, OKC. That's just a surprise because they've got four wins, which is about what the Rockets, the Pelicans, and the Pistons have combined, I think. So uh, that's pretty gnarly. The Magic as well have only got three. So OKC won three on the trot. And you're like, yeah, because they fight. They might not have the world's biggest amount of talent, but they fucking care. Because they're young, and it's awesome. Seriously, just go, make sure you watch an OKC game this weekend and just go, oh, yeah? They fucking go hard. The first couple of games, they looked horrible and just really disinterested as they tried to figure out how to play with each other. But I feel like they've kind of gone, wait, no, if we get Giddy the ball, he's going to find something good. SGA is kind of like, all right, well, Giddy doesn't want to do it all himself, so maybe I'll, uh, I get to be the superstar. Cool. So he's gone from threatened to like, oh shit, this is my team as well. And Giddy's like, yeah, man, I'm just here to help. So it's pretty gnarly. So go check out OKC. Four and six, that's massive. Like, to put that in perspective, like, four and six is ahead of, like, San Antonio. Like, that's just fucking nuts. Like, <laughs> they're above 
<laughs> Atlanta. Oh, cripes. We're about to talk about that in a second. Sh- no, Chicago and Washington. Uh, top of the East, eight and three. Uh, that's a bit of a surprise. Uh, with the Bucks, Sixers, and Nets all dealing sort of weird ins and outs, boom. Wiz and Bulls being top of the East is pretty funny. Uh, number two is a combo. Atlanta, Charlotte, and uh, your Indiana Pacers. The weird, so we talked about the creamy middle of the East, and it's barely those dudes. Because Indy, they get that win today. They're now five and eight. Atlanta have dropped five in a row. They're four and eight and look shit house. And Charlotte, I mean, we're just on the <laughs> about to lose five straight, but they uh, pulled out that one against Memphis. So the weird thing is, it's probably the worst one out of those is Atlanta, right? Like I feel like we've talked about how they've got too many dudes. They've got ten dudes who want to play and should be playing with Trey, John Collins, that's a tall cocktail, Clint Capella. Bogdan Bogdanovich, Kevin fucking Huerta, the Ginger Ninja, Kev- DeAndre Hanna, Cam Reddish, Danilo Gallinari, Lou Will, Dylan Wright. Like, they've just got too many dudes. That's where we're at. And they've got to figure that out. And also, Trey's not living up to the standard that he set last year. It's a bit of a mess, but it's a bit of a surprise. And then, I'll tell you what the biggest surprise is, though. It's Golden State. It's Golden State. It's Golden State being 10-1. and one. It's absolutely crazy. They're 10-1. The joy is back. And it's weird that people are already like, oh, man, now everybody's back hating on Golden State. Like, what? Who is hating on Golden State? Nobody. Because this is fun as shit. We had two years where we didn't, you know, have them dominating everything. And now they're looking amazing and fun. And they've sort of brought in players that fit the system rather than kind of like the Kelly Oubre's of the world. Where it's like, you play next to Steph, and he's like, I'm just going to shoot every time. Instead, they got dudes like Iguodala, Belly Belitza, Damian Lee's taking a step, Jordan Poole is playing his ass off. Like, they got the most points per game. They're only 23rd in turnovers, which is like fucking massive for Golden State. They've got the third highest defensive rating, first in defensive rating, so their net rating is massive. Uh, it's 13 points. It blows Utah out of the water, who are second by like four points. It's crazy. Golden State being 10-1 is the easily the biggest surprise. I think everything else, you can kind of go, oh, yeah, gnarly, good on them. But Golden State being 10-1, that is absolutely fucking nuts, and I love it. All right, out back Tokyo's time. It's Friday at Outback, and you know what that means? Oh, yeah, ice-cold 4-for-1 TGIF Foster's Oil Drum Cans, full of icy cold Foster's Lager. That's right, it's Australian from horse beer. I mean beer. Not horse piss. Shit, that's what we put in it. I mixed them up. Only at our back. Either way, get four of them. For one! That's a great bargain. Goes great with a flame grill take. Today's flame grill take comes from Jez Oz. Luca already hates Jason Kidd and is playing hurt, so there's no excuse for Dallas not to fire him soon. <laughs> Only at our back. I love that. And the next one is, if you replace Trey Young with Ja Morant, the Atlanta Hawks will be number one in the East. Only at Outback. I did have a thing about this idea of like Trey Young versus Ja Morant. Ja's better. He just plays his ass off. Whereas Trey, just the settling. He's just that, not that level athlete. And if you gave Trey Ja's drive, who knows what could fucking happen. All right, we'll take a uh, very brief break and be back with a very quick stream play watch right after. This one. 
This is Nick Kay, and you're listening to NBA Australia. All right, let's do Australian Player Watch. Only Jingles was in action today. Uh, seven points, four rebounds, four assists for three of six shooting. One of three from downtown. Two turnovers and ejection. Another ejection. Two this year for Jingles. Uh, not bad, but look, in terms of actual season-long looks at some of the players, some of the Aussies, Paddy Thrills, Paddy Mills is out here averaging 9.8 points a game. Uh, 2.8 assists, 1.8 rebounds. Shooting just a tick under 40% from the floor, but 45% from three. So, look, the threes are there. It's all right. The points, the minutes, like, you get at the fluctuations with Patty. It's just how it goes. We've talked about it time and time and time again. Tough one, but look, 9.8, 2.8 assists. Good on him. Jungling Joe Ingles, however, 8 points a game, 3.1 rebounds, 2.8 assists. His three-point shooting... He's at 43% so far this season. He's had a bit of a rough one over the last four games where he's gone three of, I believe, 16. Jeez, that is brutal. Uh, but otherwise, look, he started off pretty hot. He's still at 40%, so that sort of makes sense. So for the month of November, he's 8 of 22. That's all right. Uh, Aussie Matty T has missed a bunch of games thanks to the COVID, uh, which stinks. But Matty T was lighting it the fuck up before that. 5.1% points per game, but in terms of blocks and steals, was one of the very best guards in the NBA at that point, and uh, was doing awesome. Like, holy moly. So, so far for this season, he was averaging 2.3 steals a game, 1.7 blocks. Absolutely incredible. Uh, Josh Greeny Green, we mentioned he got out there yesterday, got his uh, season high four points on two of two shooting. Uh, He has scored a total of six points so far this season. Uh, he's popped up in seven games for a total of 37 minutes, though. So he's only taken nine shots all season. And as mentioned, though, there were there was a run of three games where he got out there and uh, missed a couple of uh, missed every shot that he took. So he went 0 of three, 0 of one, 0 of one. But then yesterday made up for it, two of two. Love that. So let's get more greeny out there. His total, like his averages, are beside the point. Uh, when he's gotten out there, it's been two minutes, one minute, six minutes, or four minutes. He did get 17 minutes in that big uh, loss to Denver a while back. Ah, uh, four minutes, four minutes. So let's get free Josh Green and let him run. Free the Green. And finally, Josh... Oh, Jock Landau. Rock'em, sock'em, jock'em. Uh, out with the COVID, obviously. That sucks. Uh, hasn't really bothered the scorers too much either. He was dealing with a concussion before that. And uh, look, we just hope that Jock gets out there and gets healthy again and feels good because he's gotten out there for only, I believe, the three games. So, But the point is, he did get out there and absolutely crush it last time, didn't he? In that Pacers game. Four of four from the floor. One of one from three for his 10 points. So, you know, not bloody bad. <laughs> Let's go rock him, sock him. And finally, the Giddy. I love him. 9.8 points a game, 6.2 assists, and 6.7 rebounds. Those are some pretty bloody good averages. He's pretty basically uh, pretty close to a 10, 6, and 6. The shooting percentages are a little bit low. I mean, you get that. You're a 19-year-old in the NBA. Uh, 26 points. No, 31. No, wait. Hang on a second. 26.7% from three. 39.4 from the uh, floor. So tough one there for the Gid man, but you get that on the big jobs. Right, Luke Longley Award for the bloke who just does their bloody job. I want to give this one today to uh, TJ McConnell because he was incredible today. And TJ just, no matter where he's been, on the sixes, on the paces, just does his bloody job, doesn't he? He was awesome. Goes 10 of 14 today, 1 of 1 from downtown, 21 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, and a steal, and only 1 turnover. 
It was a plus eight. Absolutely turned this game around with his D on Conley and really just shut Conley down. Just put him in the boo box. Uh, Conley goes for six points on six shots. TJ McConnell just towed him. TJ just knows his job. He's like, all right, go out there, run the offense, get some scrappy points, take the shot when I'm open, off he goes. Sometimes he gets on a bit of a heater and away he goes. I love TJ McConnell. That was awesome. And he is today's Luke Longley Award winner for the bloke who just does his bloody job. TJ. As soon as the Sixers lost TJ, they were fucked. Now they're good because they got Tyrese Maxey. Right, the Penny Mills Game Day Baller Game Day Twitter check-in. All right, this is an easy one because Jingle and Joe Ingles, I mentioned it yesterday, is out there just doing great, great, great community work, isn't he? Always. It's just what he does, does Jingles. And uh, so what Utah have been doing is there was an amazing sort of campaign they're running for Izzy. Stand for, hashtag stand for Izzy. So Izzy was light, Izzy was love. Hashtag stand for Izzy. Jingles retweeted that. Love heart, love heart, love heart. And Jingles did also tweet out about, uh, I think, so there was a Jen Mackay. She tweeted out, super proud of Joe Ingles and Spider Mitchell for letting their voices be heard on such difficult topics. Utah wouldn't be the same without them. And so Jingles tweets that out. It says, don't get it twisted either. It's extremely hard talking about these things. But I know my platform and I'll use it. Because um, it came from a 10-year-old who died by suicide in Utah. Uh, which is just fucking wildly, wildly, wildly sad. And so, reading a little bit into this, it's amazing how the Jazz have sort of gotten behind this Stan for Izzy uh, campaign. To sort of highlight just what a sad fucking topic it is. Uh, what inclusiveness is all about. And basically, you know... Bullying and shit like that is fucking brutal, man. So parents, uh, David Locke tweets out, parents demand your children are nice and inclusive, no exceptions. Reward your kids for being nice and inclusive more than making a basket. And away you go. And so the Jazz uh, came out with the uh, hashtag Stan for Izzy stuff. And there's just some devastating fucking stories behind it. So go check it out. Lend your support. And uh, Jingles is a legend. The Jazz are fucking awesome for getting behind this as well. So... It's a really sad, 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 sad topic, but I mean, the way the Jingles uses his platform, as he mentions, like, got to shine a light on this sort of stuff to make it fucking stop happening. So good on you, Jingles. Good on you, the Jazz. Right, let's do some game previews for the weekend. Game previews. Game previews. Thanks to Nivert and Bain. Not a problem, Jimmy. You excited for the weekend? Yep, about to jump in the old car, thing down the beach. Horrible weekend for it. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Tell you what. Uh, but in terms of the weekend, we have an absolute belter of a schedule uh, for some of these games. So today we went two of three. And on Jimmy's actual betting, he went three of three because I changed one of my picks. I actually went with the Heat and they covered, so that was pretty good. Uh, but two of three in the ones that I mentioned yesterday. So we nailed the first two today. We had Indy and we had uh, the Raps that hit. Uh, so it's pretty good. So we're 94 of 165 for the season. Uh, for tomorrow's games, we have the New York City Knicks playing the Charlotte Hornets in Charlotte. Can Charlotte bounce back against the Knicks? I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to go the Hornets plus one and a half here. The Knicks defense, it's just a little bit too hard. Like Charlotte, their defense is horrible. But if you try to go bucket for bucket with them, they can do that. So give me the Hornets. Milwaukee, go to Boston. I'm going to take the Celtics here, I think. Of all the talk of late, I think there's no one really on Milwaukee outside of Giannis that is really consistently stepping up. They do have Giroux back, but I think Boston, look, just the other day, the, there's just something about them. I feel like they're turning a little bit of a corner. Tatum, I reckon he can go off. I reckon it's going to be a great game. Milwaukee at Boston, I can't wait to watch it. 
We're sitting there on the couch in the beach house, just going, what's going on, bro? Uh, Boston plus two and a half. I'm going to take that. Just something about him. Can't wait to see that go there. Detroit at Cleveland. Oh, geez. Give me the Cavs minus five and a half in a heartbeat. I think they're going to kill the Pistons. Uh, Brooklyn. They take on the Pelicans. They're only seven and a half point favorites. That should be about 14. So I'm taking Brooklyn minus seven and a half to absolutely smash right the Pels. Sacramento. They play OKC. Uh, OKC are four and a half point underdogs at home. It's a tricky one because Sacramento try to beat down on teams like OKC. OKC are going to hustle, but I think... And I think they'll cover that. So give me OKC plus four and a half. I think they lose a bit of a heartbreaker there. Phoenix, they go to Memphis. This is a great game too. You've got Booker versus Jar. I'm going to take the Memphis Grizzlies at home to stymie the Suns, who have uh, had a couple of great wins of late. But I think the Grizz are one of those trick-or-treat teams that will just sort of come out and punch you in the mouth out of nowhere, and uh, especially at home. Houston, they host Portland. Ah. Oh. Got some real sort of Brandon Roy Yao Ming kind of vibes just all of a sudden. The Rockets are six and a half point underdogs at home. I'm going to take Portland. I think they blow the doors off of Houston, even on the road. It's a lot of points, but what can you do? What else? Dallas go to San Antonio. Dallas are two and a half point favorites in San Antonio. What have they done lately that convinces you that that's good? I'm going to take Dallas anyway. I think they can win this one. Um... A lot of people to throw at Luka, though, do San Antonio, so I wouldn't be surprised if I get this wrong, but I don't know. I feel like Dallas, I kind of shit on them a little bit yesterday. I then felt bad because it was just one bad game playing against a good team. They should take care of San Antonio. Prove it to me, Dallas. Prove it to me. Atlanta, they go to Denver. That's pretty fun as well, isn't it? Denver getting Jokic back. I'm going to take the Jokic minus four and a half and the Nuggets. They should be able to cover at home. Chicago, they play Golden State. Now, this is one of those ones where I'm like, oh, geez, this is going to be great. Chicago without Vooch, do they have enough to keep up with the Golden State Warriors? Warriors are five and a half point favorites. I'm taking Chicago plus five and a half. I think it's the first game of this road trip. They know they don't have Vooch. I think they come out swinging or they get killed. They either win this or they get blown out. (laughs) There's no in between. So I'm taking the Bulls plus five and a half. Minnesota go to Los Angeles to play the Lakers. Uh, Minnesota versus their old team, the Lakers. Remember in the olden days, the Minneapolis Lakers? The Lakers are three and a half point favorites. You've got AD versus Cat, Ant-Man versus Russ. Weird. It's like bizarro versions of them. Some weird variants if you've watched Loki. Uh, I'll take the Lakers minus three and a half. I just can't. Oh, nah, fuck that. Minnesota plus three and a half panic stations for the Lakers fans because that'll be funnier. Sunday, Miami go to Utah. I think Utah take care of Miami. Bounce back from that indie game. Philly, speaking which, they play indie. I don't know what to make of this one. I think Philly at indie. Maybe. Maybe. If Embiid's back, Philly. If no Embiid, I'm going to go indie. So Embiid, I'll make a note of that. Embiid if indie if Embiid is back. Uh, no, sorry, Philly if Embiid is back. <laughs> Try to talk while you type, Jimmy. Jeez, good one, dickhead. Philly if Embiid is back, if not Indy. Washington at Orlando. I'm going the Wiz. Memphis at New Orleans. Toronto host Detroit. Uh, oh, that's the Suggs Barnes Bowl. How good's that? Oh, no. Wait, sorry. That's uh, Orlando. What the fuck am I talking about? Kay Cunningham plays the number four pick. That's hilarious. Because Detroit played Cleveland the day before, and that's when he plays Mobley. So... Cade Cunningham is running up against all of the uh, dudes who got drafted straight after him. So Cade versus Barnes in that one. Going to Toronto because they're going to kill Detroit. Boston go to Cleveland. I'm going to take the uh, Celtics on a back-to-back. Oof. Don't know about that. Uh, No, I'm going to go Cleveland. That's funnier. 
Uh, give me Cleveland at home against Boston. That's fucking hilarious if that actually happens. Uh, Clippers host Minnesota at a back-to-back in LA. Give me the Clippers. Uh, Lakers, they host San Antonio on Monday. This one starts at 7.30. Give me the Lakers against San Antonio. Milwaukee go to Atlanta. I'll take the Bucks. Eastern Conference Finals rematch. That'll be unreal. Golden State, Charlotte. Steph's going to put up 80. Give me the Warriors. Phoenix at Houston. Houston are a rabble. Suns are going to kill them. Brooklyn at OKC. The KD coming home ball. Give me Brooklyn. Portland go to Denver. Watch Nurkic absolutely fucking step up against his old team. I think Portland somehow pulled this out of their ass. It'll be funny as. And then an absolute belter. The Clippers on a back-to-back play Chicago, who uh, have had a day off out there in California going from Golden State down to LA. I'm going to take the Clippers, even on a back-to-back. I think it's going to be funny. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, we'll be back on Monday to wrap all that up for you. Uh, so check us out on Twitter, FaceEIG in the meantime. Check it out NFL Australia with me and Gaz. Chopping about the NFL. Big week ahead. We preview it on that show. Go check it out. World Wrestling Australia with Adam over on YouTube. Search World Wrestling Australia on YouTube or just check him out on Twitter, F-W-C-I-E. Uh, get around nbastraycom slash shop. Buy some merch. I'll get it out to you ASAMP. Fuck yeah. I just want to clear out the uh, the bit in the spare room that it's got in it. Anyway, uh, check us a rating review on your iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever podcast app you use. Come on, rate and review it. Manscaped. Use the code STRAYA. Get 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped. Look after your nuts. Trust me. TheDailyLiquid.com. Use the code STRAYUP. Get a free six-pack on your mate. Jimmy Knowable. Download that from your app store. Bang in the code STRAYUP and go 20% off and get smart today. All right. Big thanks go to From Oslo for the intro and outro song. Check out their new band, House Hats. Their album running out of times out now, and it's an absolute belter. Even the squid likes that one. Uh, and thanks to Joshua Delarentis, Fascinated, Goldmines, Ramshack, Alami, Iowa, Sexually, Green, 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 and Dozers for the Juju here throughout the show. Smash them all on Bandcamp, Triple J and Earth, Facey, Apple Music, Spotify, However you listen to your Remember, NBA Australia supports Australian bands. Go see some shows. Go on. And uh, right, we're going to close out today's show with a classic cooking with Bainesy. And I'll talk to you on Monday, you dickheads. Have a great weekend. I'm going to the beach. All right, this is NBA Australia saying, look after yourselves, would you? And later, who's in? Cooking with Bainsey is filmed in front of a live studio audience. And now it's time for everyone's favorite Aussie cooking show. It is Cooking with Bainsey with your host, Aaron Bangers Bains. Oh, <laughs> all right, all right. Settle down, news lot. Come on, go. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, g'day, g'day. Oh, welcome to Cooking with Bainesy. I'm your host, Aaron Bangers Baines, eh? So, look. All oh, right, settle down over there. Oh, <laughs> look at you on your Margaret. All right, so in this here episode of Cooking with Bainesy, we're going to fang up one of my absolute favourite Australian dishes, one that's absolutely perfect for a night in or if you have a mates over, it is that absolute Aussie staple, bloody shrimp pad thai. That's right, pad thai is probably top five Aussie dishes all time, mate. I, I cook them at least twice a week. It's full of all the good stuff you need to keep up a physique like this one. There we go. Lots of protein and noodles and everything. It's bloody perfect. So, all you need to do... It's bloody simple, mate. You go down to your soupy, you grab some 
Pad Thai noodles, some veggie oil, a thing of garlic, a couple of eggs, a bit of soy sauce, a lime, some brown sugar, a thing of fish sauce, a red chili, a bunch of spring onions, a bunch of coriander or cilantro, as these yanks call it over here, and like a handful of unsalted peanuts. Right, and then you go over to your fishmonger as well, as well. Vasily is my bloke, and get a big bag of prawns and get him to shell them for you. You don't need the shells, mate. Come on, get rid of them. All right, so get all that and let's get started. All right, so you cook your noodles in a pot of boiling water for about 10 minutes. Then you drain them and chuck them over there. Then you bang two teaspoons of the veggie oil in your pan. Now you slice up and cook a clove of the garlic in, a, in there. Chuck that in there. There you go for a couple of minutes. And on the side, whisk up two eggs. There you go, whisk them up all nice and smooth. Yeah, there you go. Now bang them in there. Just chuck them in that. Oh, look at that go. And when they're cooked, put them aside as well. And then in a bowl, you mix up your one and a half teaspoons of soy sauce, your two tablespoons of lime juice, your two tablespoons of sugar, a teaspoon of your fish sauce, and about half of your red chili. All chopped up. Look at that, nice. Chuck that all in there together and mix that all up in your bowl. Now cook your prawns, just chuck them on there. You can probably cook them on your barbie if you want, but just put them in a pan, doesn't matter. Now while you're doing that, grab a tin while they cook. Don't be a Nancy and just wait until they're done. Oh, look at them cook. Oh, that is a beaut, isn't it? So once they're all done and cooked, pour all that sauce into your skillet with the scrambled egg bit and chuck your noodles in and toss it around just to coat everything up. Sprinkle your spring onions that's all chopped up and your coriander and your peanuts. Just chuck them on top, toss it around a bit, and bam, you're done. Unbloody believable. Chuck a lime wedge on top of that, a bit of a cilantro or coriander along the top, and Bob is your bloody uncle, mate. Voila. Bam, you're done. An absolute bloody pearl of a pad type. And look, you can fucking chuck chicken and shit in there as well if you want, but I go with the traditional Aussie recipe of prawns. And all right, how easy was that? That is an absolute... Beautiful looking batch of pad thai that your missus and the family will love. Now I reckon I'm going to go get stuck into these, eh? And uh, you know what? That's it for this week. Tune in next week for a new recipe and we'll see you then on the next episode of Cooking with Bainsy.